And thank you for the privilege of gathering here in this place, being able to come aside uh, just to be with you, to honor you, to hear your word, which is an act of worship, and to respond to it in worship as well. Uh, and so, Lord, open our hearts and our minds and speak to each of us today as you would like. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill me up in this time, that I can bring your word to your people boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you, to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that is, indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may, be, may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Sorry about that, apologize. You know, I know when I was uh, a young man, I often thought about various things like making a million dollars. You know, that, that was uh, the thing when I was really young. I would always sign up for the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes because, you know, it was awarding a million dollars and it was $10 million and things like that. And I would pray that God would give it to me uh, so that I could do good things with it. You know, I wanted to make a lot of money uh, so that I could do good things. I, I thought about going into business and, uh, and maybe becoming a millionaire. That's when uh, a millionaire was something to aspire to. Now it's just pocket change. Uh, everybody aspires to be billionaires. Uh, and, but I wanted to be able to make a difference. Uh, when I went into ministry, you know, I thought maybe I'll, I'll build a big church and get one of those big mega churches and gather a lot of people around me there and we could really stand up for Jesus and, and turn America around, uh, bring forth the gospel, take the gospel to the nations. Uh, There's so many desires and so many dreams that I had as a young person. And I still have a lot of desires and I still have a lot of dreams, but that is very typical of all people. We all want to make a difference. We all want to be remembered. We all want to make our mark in the world. Uh, that's something that we hunger for and that we long for, especially us guys, but I know it's true for the women as well. Uh, we want to know that we leave a legacy and that, uh, that our lives have mattered, that our lives have really counted. Uh, I, in light of that, I can never forget the first time that I really understood Ecclesiastes and I was reading through there and it says, you know, there's no remembrance of those who have gone before. I thought, oh, well, that's, that's a bummer. You know, nobody, nobody's going to remember me. You know, what, what is the deal? But this was inspiring me, and, and this was driving me on. And even today, I see it in a lot of believers. I mean, every believer that I talk to really wants to make a difference for Jesus. I find very few believers that say, no, nah, you know, I really don't care. I don't want the kingdom to go forth. I'd rather people die and go to hell. Uh, you know, that's, that's okay. I, you know, I don't see believers like that. 
We all, we want to make a difference. We want to advance the kingdom of God. We want to do great things for the Lord. And in light of that, one of the things that I often see in Christians is that we start to minimize work and minimize the, the mundane, seemingly mundane things that we do day in and day out. And so I've seen some people do that and they'll say, you know, I, I know I'm in the office right now, but one day I'll do the great things for Jesus. Uh, or they'll say, well, yeah, I've got to raise my kids right now, but one day I'll do great things for Jesus. Uh, not even realizing that the work that we do can be great things for Jesus. And the kids that we raise are great people for Jesus. Uh, and we struggle with this and we wrestle with this. And alongside of this is this whole idea, you know, what is my calling? What is my destiny? Uh, where am I going? What does God have for me? What is God's plan for my life? And we, we spend a lot of time thinking about these things. Things. I remember a few years ago, I was asking the Lord what I was. You know, was I, was I an apostle? Was I a prophet? Was I an evangelist? Was I a pastor? Was I a teacher? Looking at the fivefold gifts in Ephesians 4.11. And I prayed for a good, good year, maybe a little bit more, intensely saying, God, tell me what I am. Tell me what I am. And uh, one day, then the Lord finally spoke to me and said, Rod, if I told you, would you do anything differently? And I said, no, I guess I wouldn't. And he said, okay, well, you can call yourself a preacher. I'm like, well, that's not one of the five. You know? <laughs> but, but it's something that happens, and I've seen it in Christians. You don't have to be in church leadership to have this desire and to have this drive and to have this wondering about how God has called us. And in so doing, Many times we miss some of the basic counsel of Scripture about how we are called as Christians to live our lives, particularly in a society that is alien to Christianity, particularly in a society that sometimes is hostile toward Christianity, particularly in a society where the idea of holiness and sanctification uh, is a joke, rather than something to be taken seriously. And we wonder, okay, how am I supposed to live? And we neglect what the scriptures have to say to us. And so Paul, in this passage today, is really beginning a process of reminding the Christians in Thessalonica. Remember, Thessalonica was very much like London in its day. It wasn't big, it wasn't the metropolis that London is. But it was very much like London in its diversity, uh, in its problems, in its challenges. And here is Paul and Paul's, if you will, city-taking strategy for the Christians. He's telling them, what do you do? How do you live your life in the midst of this environment? And how do we live our lives so that the kingdom of God might advance through us? That's what he's talking about. And so what does he say? He tells us that we have a responsibility toward others and a responsibility toward ourselves. Things that we can do ourselves and how we relate to other people. And to, to summarize how we relate to other people, Paul says, you got to engage in love. In this passage, Paul actually uses two different ver uh, ver uh, words for love. 
when he says about brotherly love, he's talking about the, the word Philadelphia. It's where we get the name of the city in the States, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Uh, that's one kind of love. When he talks about loving one another, he uses the word agape, and he's really talking about love in its totality. So our responsibility toward other people, especially those who are in the body of Christ, is this. Love them. That's what we're called to do. And we know that we're supposed to do that. We don't need me to stand up here and say, okay, love one another, because God is teaching us. If you're a Christian, you know, you know that you have that responsibility to love other people. And remember that love it's not an emotion, it's not a feeling, it's a self-giving commitment to other people for their benefit. That's what love's all about. So when we give ourselves to others for their benefit, whether we are enjoying it or not, whether we feel good about it or not, we are showing them love. And in fact, sometimes we show more love when people are really driving us crazy, when people are really irritating us. And so that's the sum total of his counsel for how we engage with other people. Give yourselves to other people for their benefit. Give of yourself to other people for their benefit. That is demonstrating love, and that is exactly what God did for us in his son, Jesus Christ. He gave himself to us for our benefit. God is the definition of love, God is the one who shows us what love really is. But then he goes further than that. And he says, okay, that's your responsibility to other people, but you need to take responsibility for yourself. There are certain things that we need to do to take responsibility for ourselves in a city like London as we live out the Christian life, as we seek to bring the kingdom of God into the marketplace, as we seek to see other people come to faith in Jesus Christ, we must take responsibility for ourselves. And notice what he doesn't say to do here. He doesn't say take responsibility for yourself and pray more. He doesn't say take responsibility for yourself and evangelize more. He doesn't say take responsibility for yourself and worship more, although all these things are important, and certainly Paul would want us to do this. But it's interesting what he says here. And he gives them several encouragements. He says, first of all, aspire to live quietly. Aspire to live quietly. So often we want to aspire to great things. We want to aspire to, to becoming the, uh, the star footballer of a football team or, or the CEO of a company uh, or a pastor or a missionary or, or any number of things. We want to aspire to those things. But Paul says, aspire to live quietly. Now this idea of living quietly, same kind of concept as be at rest. So he's saying, aspire to rest. And rest in this sense is not inactivity. It's not where we go out and on a hammock and we're sitting there with our mint julep or whatever we, your, your drink of choice happens to be uh, and, and just say, okay, I'm resting now. That's not the idea of rest. Rest is something you engage in actively. And rest is essentially the absence of striving. So much of our time we spend just 
striving and striving and striving and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, whether it's pushing to get a promotion or pushing to get a, a spouse or pushing to get a new car or push, pushing to get a new house or, or pushing for any number of things. And Paul says, don't keep pushing. Aspire to be at rest. Aspire to take each day as it comes and live your life. Live quietly. And then the second thing he says, mind your own affairs. We are to aspire to mind our own affairs. So often we get involved so much in other people. We're constantly looking for other people's lives. That's why reality TV is so popular these days because people want to look at what everybody else is doing and look at how everybody else is living their life and look at what everybody else has and, uh, and look for how intelligent other people are and how much they pray or, or how much the Bible they know or, or any number of things. And Paul says here the second thing, aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs. In other words, mind your own business. Take care of yourself. I've seen so often people that are striving to do great things, maybe a pastor who's striving to lead a, a great church, but their personal finances are such a mess. If our personal lives, if we're not taking care of our personal lives and our personal relationships, how can we even begin to think about taking care of something else? So he says, aspire to live a quiet life, and mind your own affairs. And notice here, as he's saying these things, these are all things that we can do. These are all things the Holy Spirit has empowered us to do ourselves. Now, other people might disturb our lives, but you don't have to let them. Other people might try to, to butt in, but you don't have to let them. So you mind your own affairs. The third thing he says to do is work with your hands. Now, for Paul, that meant making tents. He was a tent-making apostle, and we know that, and that's where the phrase tent-maker comes from for those who have a job uh, in the marketplace as well as trying to lead a church or something. But this idea of work with your own hands, he doesn't mean that we all should be woodworkers or tent-makers or carpenters or plumbers, uh, that kind of thing. But he is saying, do your job. Do your job. Don't look to other people to do your job. Don't look to other people to do your work for you. Make sure that you are doing what you need to do to do your job and to do it well. I've seen a lot of Christians who just were just downright lazy, frankly. Now, I remember uh, a person many, many years ago, I remember a person who just wanted to come and, and hang out in the prayer room here and wanted other people to, to support him as he hung out in the prayer room just doing nothing but pray. Now, prayer is something that's laudable, and certainly uh, I would be interested in supporting somebody who had a passion to pray, who was spending 40, 50, 60 hours a week in prayer and helping other, others do, do the same and engage in prayer. That, that's a worthy thing. But for this person, they just wanted to be there and have their own personal prayer time and their own personal prayer space and somebody else support them. Paul says, no, work with your own hands. Get a job. Support yourself. 
Don't look to others to support you. Don't seek to depend on other people uh, to provide for you. Get a job. Work with your own hands. And then the fourth thing that he says, he says all of this, the purpose of it, is so that we will walk properly before outsiders. We will walk properly before outsiders. Can't tell you the number of times as a pastor that I've been talking with business people who snicker a bit at Christian leaders and, and some Christians in general. And these guys are Christians. They're not non-Christian. They snicker a little bit at Christian leaders because they haven't a clue, the Christian leaders haven't a clue what it, what it takes to run a business, to do a job, to take care of finances, to deal with staff, to deal with these basic kinds of issues that everybody in the marketplace has to deal with today. And there's been a number of times when I've engaged with non-Christians who look at Christians and they say, well, this person's not living right. They're not taking responsibility for themselves. They're not doing the things that we all have to do. And that becomes kind of a, a, a criticism toward Jesus Christ when we're not living that way. And Paul says the purpose of all this, to aspire to live a quiet life, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands, is actually so that you're going to live properly before outsiders. So when people look at you as a Christian, when they look at you as an employee, and they know that you're a Christian, that that brings honor to Jesus Christ. It doesn't throw people away from Jesus Christ. And then finally he says, and be dependent on no one. Be dependent on no one. We have to be careful here. Paul is not advocating for a sinful sense of independence. He is not advocating for people who, and I know a number of Christians who go around and say, you know, I, I'm not going to connect with the church. I, I'm, I'm my own Christian. I have my own church in my own house by myself on Sunday. And by the way, that doesn't qualify. Uh, or they'll, they'll say, you know, I, I don't want to listen to another leader. I don't want to uh, submit myself to another leader. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to listen to Jesus. And it's always funny to me, people who say that, how Jesus always tells them to do what they wanted to do in the first place. So Paul is not talking about this sinful kind of independence. What he is saying is that we live our lives quietly, we mind our own affairs, we work with our hands, we give a good testimony to outsiders so that we don't have to rely on other people to support us, other people to take care of us, other people to look out after us. So we don't have to depend on the church to do these things, to, to care for us in our needs that we should be caring for. We should seek to live our lives in such a way that we make a contribution to others around us and are not contributed to all the time. To be sure, there's times when we all need help. But Paul says our basic orientation is to live our lives in such a way that we can contribute to the lives of other people in positive ways. And this is how we are called to live on a day-by-day-by-day -day -day basis. And we trust that God will use our lives in Christ Jesus to make a real difference. We trust that God will use our lives in Christ Jesus to change the world. Not necessarily by becoming the CEO of the latest company or the latest entrepreneur 
or the latest unicorn startup, but simply by living our lives in a way inspired by the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, reveling in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that God can use us to change the world. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you for this encouragement from the Apostle Paul. I pray, Lord God, that you would help each of us to to search our lives and to discern the ways that we are living in accordance with this guidance and maybe the ways that we are not. Not for condemnation, but for liberation so that we can live our lives as your word has called us to, bringing glory and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in his name. Amen.